Here we are. We're back in our in our uh, series. Do you know what you what? What you don't know? And of course, the answer should be the majority uh, of this series is reminding us that our assumptions are wrong. You don't know what you think you know. And even worse, there's an entire universe of knowledge that you don't have yet. And even if you don't have that knowledge, you need to be aware of it. You might not understand everything about the cosmos and the stars, but you need to stop every once in a while and look up. Feel small for a moment. Realize that you are in the middle of something far bigger than you ever realized. When your schedule and your bills and your relational problems overwhelm you, sometimes stopping to realize there are bigger things afoot than what's going on on your Facebook page. Correct? No? Really? No? Okay. Sorry. Has everyone, uh, you've all moved on to Instagram? Anybody? It seems like a female thing with Instagram. (laughs) I was waiting for that. Don't be sexist. I can't just take pictures of things. I feel stupid. I'm sorry. That's probably why. (laughs) Probably because everything in my life is just, uh, you know, eh. I'm not good at, yeah, I'm just done. I'll be in trouble if I say anything else. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I should stay away from that. She's right there. I should wait for a Sunday when she's not here, and then I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> she hates Facebook. She loves Instagram. Can you believe that? She hates Facebook? It's like saying you hate the Bible or something, right? You know, you hate football or hate the Razorbacks. What's wrong with you? Now, uh, in this series, we talked about two topics. Uh, the first week, we talked about eternity. Do you know what you don't know about Eternity. The whole point of that was to scare you, okay? Accomplished, right? The whole point was to wake up to the fact that everything around us is part of something bigger. There's a bigger fabric afoot, right? And then in the second week, we talked about the soul. What's so amazing is that the language we use for talking about eternity and the language we use for the soul are almost identical. Because as big and as unknowable as the cosmos are, what happens on the inside of a human being is almost as complicated. Uh, there are few people in this room who really know themselves, who are in touch with what happens on the inside. And so the next step in this progression is what do you really know about the person next to you? The person in front of you, the person behind you. What do you really know about that person? What do you know for sure about them? And, of course, the fun question, do you know what you don't know about them? right? Um, as a pastor, one of the best things about my job is that I get to hear some of the things that, that, that people don't want to share with others. Uh, things people won't put on their Facebook page. They won't put, you know, the snap the shot on Instagram, right? These are the things that people don't want broadcasted. And uh, sometimes I'm lucky enough to, uh, to share those spaces with people. There's an entire world that goes on inside of each person around you that you are unaware of. And one of the things about being a Christian is to understand that life is one of the most cherished, valued things to be a Christian. To be someone who is a follower of Christ, full-hearted, you have to understand this, that you are someone who was fully for life. Um, in this parable, the mustard seed parable, have you ever seen a mustard seed before? Anybody ever seen it? Okay, it's, it, it's a small little dot. It fits, I mean, it's a tiny little dot on your finger. It's... Uh, I mean, it looks like a tick. How about that? Like, like a small seed tick. Perfect. Now you all hate mustard. Got it. Awesome. It's this tiny little thing, right? 
it has the potential to create a plant. It's not really a tree, but to create a plant tree that would reach that ceiling. Just think about that. From a tiny dot on your finger, the size of a tick, has the ability to create something that can reach that ceiling. That's a, an amazing concept. See, the kingdom of heaven, to learn to live in a kingdom way, meaning to learn to, to look at things and think about things the way that God does, is a, a very difficult shifting of gears for us. Uh, to grow into Christ is basically a long process of learning to feel about things and to think about things and to treat things in a way that God would treat them. And part of this is learning to see the potential and what something could be. You learn to not see what someone is, but to learn to see what someone could be. To see what potential could be in them. You learn not to look at the little dot in your finger. You learn to see, okay, I know that everyone sees this dot, but what you don't see about this dot is that it could create this tree. See, life itself, it doesn't matter if we're talking about water, if we're talking about uh, human beings, life itself is full of possibilities. You can take the smallest thing, and there's a possibility that it could become something amazing. So if you grew up Catholic, you were taught that nature is a sign of God. We, we never oppress or push back nature, because nature is where God is at work. Uh, have you ever wondered why Catholics have lots and lots of children? Anybody? Come on, anybody? No one ever wondered? No birth control. That's why. Why? Because we don't stop nature, because you never know what that little seed could be, right? That little seed could create this. To be a Christian is to learn to value life above all other things. Life is the highest value. Beyond that, in Genesis, when it tells us the story of creation, it portrays God speaking all of creation into existence. Correct? Except for what? Man. And woman. Amen, brother. There you go. Man and woman. All other creation, all other things, right? Wind, fire, matter, dirt, dust, mountains, snow, Antelope, squirrels, rabbits. Who, rabbits. Who likes rabbits? Come on, they're cute, right? Hey, tasty. All these things were what? These things were spoken, correct? But something the author thought was crucial to point out. There's a separation from creation and this being, this life being. Human. This creature, this creation of God doesn't get just the Word of God. This creature gets the touch of God. As God grabs the dirt, He gets the touch, the imprint of God. And it gets what? The breath of God. Now, <laughs> there are only a few people in your life who you will invite to breathe on you. Come on, think about that. Think about that. Have you ever had someone talk to you so close that it tickles your ear? Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm a pastor. It happens all the time. It makes me very comfortable. I love it. <laughs> Don't know what you just said to me. My ear was itching. Okay, sorry. There are only a few people that you will allow into that personal space, right, to breathe on you, right? 
Rachel is young enough now, her breath still kind of has a little bit of a sweetness to it. She's allowed to get right in my face. As they get older, I don't know if that's going to stay the same. We'll see as they get older, right? It all depends on hygiene, right? There are only a few people who are allowed to get that close to you. Do you see what happens? I can say a word and you can hear it from here to the front door. But how close do you have to be to feel my breath? Think about that. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. There is an intimacy, a closeness. All of creation is loved by God, but this is special. This gets my touch and this gets my breath. And not only that, this gets my image. This, everything has God in it, but this gets a special piece of God. This is something unique. Understand this. To be a Christian is to understand that human life has the highest value of all other things that exist. Do you know the first reason, who knows the first reason that Christians in mass were hunted and killed and tortured? Does anyone know why? It was by the Romans. Anyone want to guess? It's before the Roman Catholic Church. They were hunted and they were tortured, burned alive, thrown to animals. Do you know why? <laughs> they thought they were doing child time. <laughs> because they would not serve in the army. Did you know that? They would not serve in the Roman Legion. Because they did not believe that human life should be taken. Now, it does not matter how you kind of sort that out. Understand that Christians have been wrestling over how do we navigate this one thing we know. That God came to the world because of the value of this thing. Human life. This is of the highest value. Now what do we do with it? Now Christians of all... Honest, faithful Christians have landed in all different areas of this. There are Christians who believe that they, that they can never serve, and people who believe they could. There are people who believe that it's okay to eat animals, and people who believe that they don't. And they all love Christ. The point is this. The one thing that's at the heart of being a Christian is that human life is valuable. Immeasurably valuable. As history goes on, Christians begin to, to value life. And then, of course, Christians don't value life. We all know about the thing called the Crusades. Anybody hear about that? Yeah, that wasn't the same thing. <laughs> and so we go back and forth and back and forth. And then, after the Crusades, we pioneer something called what? A hospital. The church pioneers what you know today. You would not have hospitals today if it wasn't for Christians. Because Christians believe that life, what? Life matters. The first organized effort to feed hungry people was done by who? Christians. The first organized effort to provide homes for people with no homes was what? Christians. Think about this. One of the most foundational truths of being a Christian is that you have to understand that to be a Christian is to accept that there is God in every person around you. Now, I know you guys were all aware of the news. I don't know who you watch or who you don't watch. But there have been some things that took place in the last week that have really kind of riled people up. And I don't care much for politics. I guarantee you this. If you think I'm part of this party and you think I'm the other, I guarantee you I am offensive to all parties, period. I guarantee you that right now. 
And I guarantee you that the Bible doesn't fit into any of your political parties right now. I promise you, sit with me for five minutes, I can offend you with the Bible. Promise you. Christ's politics are too big for any agenda that's not his own. They're far too big. But the one thing that we have to grapple with, we don't have to know for sure, we have to wrestle, how do I follow Christ in this situation, in this world? And the one thing we know for a fact is that we know that life matters. The most uh, memorized verse by everyone, of course, for God so loved the world that He what? Gave His... Because God so what? Loved the... I hate that the most powerful things in the Scriptures have been made trivial, right? And ordinary. One of the most dangerous things in the American church right now is that we have devalued the word love. We've made it this cheap kind of a word. This is the cornerstone of the entire New Testament. If you take the word love out of the New Testament, you do not have a testament at all. There is no good news of anything. And this, this cornerstone word, loved, if you could give one person something, to change your life, what would that one thing be? Think back to your experience as a child, as an adult, to your friends, to your family. What's the one thing that you feel like every person you've ever met needed? Love and acceptance. Anybody else? Millions of dollars? Amen. Okay. <laughs> I had the uh, I had the privilege to be a youth pastor for uh, a lot of years. I would not be here if I wasn't there before this. And we, when I started that youth ministry, I had zero youth. So I was an official of, my title at the church was Interim Assistant Youth Helper. You could tell they trusted me a whole lot. They're like, this guy's going to do great. Let's lock him up with a long-term contract, right? Uh, I had zero kids. There was no one uh, who trusted me with their kids. <laughs> they all took their kids out. Uh, it was a great start to ministry. Uh, and so what happened was I had no kids from the actual church. Like none of the, like the church parents would bring their kids. And so um, uh, there's ministry that uh, Monty Dean uh, had started downtown. And so I kind of moved into the building downtown. And what happened was I started having these kids just kind of stumble in. Oh, and man, I'm telling you, like, these kids were from a different world than I was. And, I mean, it, it grew and it grew. And we had all sorts of fun stuff. We had two buildings. We had a junior high and a middle school. Uh, we outgrew the church. We were too big. And the problem was uh, we couldn't fund it. And we, began to, we poured in all this, this energy and time. And it was the most frustrating thing because he would pour all of this into it. And these kids would be on just, I mean, a high. They'd begin to see potential. They'd talk about going to college, about getting a job, whatever. And then all of a sudden, the deadbeat dad would, would come back from prison. Or, or you know, their parents would, would ground them from church. That's the only thing their kids liked. <laughs> so we're going to ground you from going to church. That'll work, right? Or, uh, you know, the, uh, the parents would, would take the, the kids' uh, Xbox to go get math or some crazy... I mean, you can imagine it happen, right? And the reason that I'm a pastor today was I realized that it doesn't matter. We could pour all of this 
into these kids. But if these kids did not have a solid, safe environment to go back to, it was all a waste. We'd pour into them and pour into them, and the moment they'd go home, they'd be torn back down. We'd build them up, we'd build them up, and they'd go home, and uh, you see the pattern. And in those experiences, the one thing I learned so deeply, I, I was all about, man, it, guys, I was all about hardcore Christian stuff. Do you know what I'm talking about? I would pray you under the bench. I didn't believe you were a Christian if you didn't fast every week and read your Bible. I mean, at least 10 chapters a day. I mean, come on, guys, you're slacking, right? Yeah, I was kind of a something. And I would preach, I, mean, I would preach these kids, oh my goodness, and nothing, right? Nothing. I would pray, pray, nothing. I started to find out what would actually help these kids. I found out in these eight years with these kids that the deepest need of every human being is to know that they are deeply loved. The word in, in the Bible for that, the Christian word we use for that, beloved. You are Beloved, you are deeply loved. And I found out that you could provide all of the other resources to someone, but if they did not know in the deepest core of who they were that they are deeply loved, none of it mattered. And so right now, the thing that I want to kind of get across this morning is that this is the greatest task of the church. The number one spiritual task of the church on the earth is this, is to awaken the world that they are deeply loved. They are deeply loved. Now this is something that sounds so simple. And Oh, Devin, that's such a cheesy snowflake gospel. Trust me, I've heard that before. Every person who's ever told me that love is the easy way out, I know that they've never truly loved someone before. It is the hardest thing to do, period, to love someone fully. Because to love someone fully means to love someone sacrificially. Well, Devin, love can look like anything. No, it cannot. We know what love is because Christ died for us while we were what? Still sinners. We always know what love looks like because love in its most pure form is sacrificial. One of the, the best things I got when I was, I was praying about this sermon is this. Christians value life. Period. At some point, the highest value of Christ will collide with your highest value, which is your life. Do you hear that? The highest value of Christ is life. And at some point, that's going to collide with your highest value. Because your highest value is what? Your own life. I'm taking this somewhere. Stay with me. Everyone in this room can tell me that they are for life in some way, shape, or form. Someone tell me, I am for life for babies. I, I am for life for the fetus. I am for life for the child with no family. I'm for life for the homeless. 
I guarantee you I can find you a place where you're not for life anymore. Are you for life for the immigrant? Are you for life for black lives? Are you for life for blue lives? Are you for life for your enemies? Are you for life for a life when it costs you your own life? Here's the biggest thing that, that you're going to learn as you grow in Christ. Is that your spiritual life is lived out. It's walked out. It's tested. It's proven by the way you treat these other faces and names in the room. I guarantee you. Has nothing, your prayer life is valuable, but I will show you the value of it by the way you treat people. Your knowledge of Scripture is valuable, but I will show you if it's really gotten into you by the way you treat people. Your giving and your serving and your teaching, it all has value, but I'll tell you if it's really touched you or not by the way you treat names and faces. Even the moment I say the word pro life, Already, people are saying, I'm for this, but what you're really saying is, I'm against this person. I'm against the person on the other side of that, of that line. Most of you don't even know how to be for anything without being against something. Here's what happens. When you begin to grow in Christ, when you begin to value, you see every single face and name as someone who God came close to. God put His imprint on. That God put His very image into. When you begin to see every human being as that valuable, it will change everything about your life. Your life will never be the same. If you've ever even been around someone like this, they will always stick out to you. Few of you have spent time around people like this. With the kids I had the exchange, I never in my life will think about sin the same way after I was at the exchange. Because the exchange showed me that every single human being is that, is that mustard seed. There is the, 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 a universe of potential. When the essence of God is in any, any person, there is a universe of potential inside of them. But that, that essence of God also comes with experience in life. When I began to spend time with these kids, there are kids, actually, uh, there's actually one right now, uh, she had the most potential of all of my kids. Period. She could have done, I mean, anything she wanted to do. Period. But her things around her, the mustard seed parable didn't tell you this. It comes right after the parable of the weeds and the bird and the stones. And Jesus actually explains that parable after this. See, every single seed that God sows has that full potential in it. Every single potential. And at the exchange, it showed me that some, the human being, that this, this girl has all the potential in the world. If I had been planted into the same soil that she was, who would I be today? If I was planted into a family on the other side of the globe, who would I be today? 
Yes, there is an essence that God has created me uniquely and beautifully, but everything about me has reacted to my environment. How would, who would I be if I didn't have mentors and pastors and parents around me as I grew up? Who, who, who would I have become? There's a, a hook on the end of this right now for you. When this hits you, and it probably hasn't yet, but when you begin to view people this way, it changes you. Changes you from the inside out. I am unable to view people the way I used to view them. Because I know that even though it's hard for me to imagine myself being a different type of person, that if I was in a different soil, if I was in a different environment, who would I be? This girl I was talking about from the exchange, I guarantee you, if, if we could have adopted her, which we tried to do, I mean, she could have done anything. Uh, but, you know, um, that didn't happen. <clears throat> she, uh, she committed suicide last year. She had, I mean, just the entire universe of possibility. I mean, it was right there. It's right there. So the question, so what happens if someone actually had a, a family It's, uh, imagine to be surrounded by people who aren't blind, who see the, the weaknesses, who, who see the, the shadow sides of who you are, who, who see the, the rough edges in your life. But imagine if you had a family, a large family, different giftings and perspectives and abilities and resources, who when they looked at you, they saw, not that, that seed, but they saw the potential in you. And they spoke into that potential. They they fostered it. They nurtured it. See, this is supposed to be a place where that seed is able to grow, to be nurtured, to be fostered, to be uh, to be cared for, to be seen, to be. Acknowledged to be 
grown. This is supposed to be the ultimate spiritual greenhouse, if you can imagine it, right? You've got the glass all around. It's nice and moist and humid in here. You get the idea, right? It's supposed to be the perfect environment for growth. To find what that potential, to know that God has put His touch on you, God has brought you close to Him, and that God has a world of potential in you. And we are here to bring it out of you. To foster it, to nurture you to grow you, to mature you, to help you reach what you could be. See, the church is not a place for us to come and to attend service, uh, have some songs. That's great. But this is to be the ultimate greenhouse where, where all of the, the potential of the God who created the cosmos is able to bring that potential out of you to nurture that. Because that potential is in every single human being you see. Every person you see who's begging on the side of the road, every, every person who's, who's high on meth this morning on the other side of the track, because I tell you it's happening right now. Every person who's been sold to sex slavery, every oppressor, every tyrant and terrorist and every child and infant, they have that same potential. But imagine if that seed was sown into a soil like this. What would they become? I've seen it. This is the call of God to be a Christian. Is that you become so overwhelmed with the value of every face and every name, especially the names and faces that other people overlook. To walk up to someone with autism and to see that seed, that potential inside of them. I know what God has put inside of you. I know what you could be. If we would ever become that kind of a place, you have to, you have to fight people to, to find seats. This is the intention of the church. To create a place where every one of us turns to the next person, and they say, I see a new creation in you. I see what God has put inside of you. And it's my job to help you get there. Would you all stand with me this morning? I hate to do this. We normally don't do this, but we are going to uh, apologize deeply from my heart. Um, we're not going to take Eucharist this morning together. Now, I can't keep you from the table. So what we're going to do is, uh, but I went too long, and I want to respect your time. What we'll do is after we close, we're going to have the table open. If you want to bring your family after service is over and take Eucharist, you're more than invited to do that. But uh, I, I want to respect our workers and make sure that they uh, still love me after this. <laughs> we'll see how that goes, right? Father, we come to you this morning. Uh, the first seed of potential we ask that we would see is in ourselves. I ask, Father God, that there would be a transformation in the way that we see ourselves. We would not be blind or ignorant to our weaknesses, to our sin, to our mess-ups, to our, our screw-ups. But that we would also not be blind that we are people who are deeply loved by God. You have touched us and brought, brought us close to you. You've put your very nature inside of us. You've put a world of potential and possibility. You've made us truly 
unique and valuable. And you have done the same for the person in front of us, behind us, and beside us. Help us to allow you to bring people into our lives, to cultivate our potential, our kingdom potential. And open our eyes and our hearts to step into the lives of the people around us. Help us be people who call out potential, to tell people what we see in them, what they're capable of, and that we would be people who are willing to commit our lives to helping them attain that potential, to grow into it. There would be no unmet possibilities in this family of God. In Jesus' name.